before the kids go out today, I just I want to um, share a couple of things. Deb was saying before she was a bit shaky, Holy Spirit shaky. I'm a bit more fleshly shaky right now, but there's just a couple of things that I need to say. And I'm sorry for those visitors today. I'm sorry for those people that are fairly new. Um, but it's just something... When else do we get together like this? Like we don't, you know, it's hard, you know. You say, oh, let's meet somewhere on a Friday or whatever, and half people don't turn up. So we're kind of here. But I want to be a little bit vulnerable just for three or four minutes before the kids go out. Is that okay? I don't know if people really know what pastors, leaders actually go through. I don't think people realise that the phone goes seven days a week. Sometimes from 6 o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock at night. I don't think you, I, I'm not sure whether people realise that because that's who I believe we're meant to be, that you give people access to your life. You know, those pastors and leaders that remove themselves from people is not the way that Jesus ministered. Jesus was actually amongst the people. And, but even Jesus had to go away to solitary places at times. And pray and be refreshed. With what I'm going to say this morning, I'm, please, I want you to hear me. I'm not looking for sympathy. Please. I'm not directing this at anything particularly or anyone personally. But I have to say something. Because I believe in this. And if I don't stand on this, then what do we stand on? Shifting sand. Okay. Someone knows their scripture really well. We have to uphold our biblical and core values that were started in Restoration Centre. The core values, which are all scriptural, you'll see them over there. But the core values of that we love one another the way Jesus loves us. Through thick or thin, rain, hail or shine, we love. And it's a choice. You may not need to like me, but you have to love me. That's true. It is actually true. Our values of honour. You know, our culture in society is terrible with honour. We live in this horrible society that just seeks to pull people down, whether it's sports people, whether it's media people. And most of the time, people like, you know, there's some article on the news that's pulling someone down and everyone jumps on it. But is there any truth in it? You know what I mean? Like we just, there's something in our Australian culture that is anti-kingdom. Anyway, you know, it, but love and honour and forgiveness and integrity because the Lord said, the Word of God says that He desires truth in the innermost parts. Well, that's integrity. That's who you are when no one's looking. That's the way that you work through things with God. That's truth in the innermost parts. Is that okay? You know, and some people say, oh, I'm taking the moral high ground. Well, I want to take the scriptural ground. This moral high ground is kind of this thing that sets itself up, but we want to take the scriptural ground. And I want to say this morning, before I share a couple of things, I'm already sharing, aren't I? 
We all need to keep guard over our hearts because the spirit of offense is always lurking. And the problem with the spirit of offense, John Bevere wrote a book years and years and years ago about the bait of Satan, the spirit of offense. The problem with the spirit of offense is that it colors everything that you see in a wrong way. Let me give you two examples. And then, you know, because I think there's a spirit of offense that we, that we come under that sometimes we don't even realize it. If a, my wife is still not that well, so she's not with us today, but I'll talk about wives and husbands. If a wife has an offense against her husband, and the husband says to her one morning, You look beautiful today. You know what she hears? I didn't look beautiful yesterday. No, that's actually true. That's true. If you are carrying an offense, see, he didn't say that at all. He wasn't saying that she didn't look beautiful yesterday. He just was making a comment that you look beautiful today. But that's what the spirit of offense does. Let's, let's use another example. You know, Lisi is offended at Kathy. She has a spirit of offense. No, but she doesn't. I'm just, I'm just using an example. But she has a, a, an offense against Kathy. And, you know, Lisey's kind of going, hey, Kathy, how are you today? And Kathy's focused on Coral and making a beeline to say Coral. And all of a sudden, Kathy, Kathy not intentionally hasn't seen Lisey because she's focusing on Coral and her ears are inclined to Coral and what Coral is saying. But because she has a spirit of offense, she goes, I see that Kathy fallacy, I told you, she doesn't like me. It's, it's like we say, it's funny, but, it, it, but isn't it true? That's what the spirit of offense does. So that's why we have to keep watch. You know, since we started Restoration Center nearly seven years ago, the verbal attacks have been constant. From the very first time we met, I was accused of taking 70 people of another church to start my church. I won't say who it was, but it was a very prominent person in the city. And they said they started spreading a rumor that I destroyed their church by taking 70 people to be a part of the church that I planted. You know that rumour still goes around today? I ran into someone last week who was kind of having a go at me for taking 70 people from that church 70 years ago. And I, um, seven years ago. And I said, do you know how many people, let, like let's uh, not let the truth get in the way of a good story here. You know how many people from that particular church turned up on our first Sunday? Three. Steve and Brenda and Veronica. And the Lord knows in, my, in the secret place that I never personally invited anybody. That's the truth. And I have a clean conscience before God. But you see, what constant, you know, stuff, you know, I'm, apparently I'm prideful, I'm arrogant, I'm self-absorbed, I'm, I'm all this kind of thing. This has been going on for seven years but the problem is, what happens is, if you hear it long enough, it starts to erode confidence and trust. That's actually what it does. Not intentionally, but you go, oh, wow, I'm hearing a lot of things about this person. And all of a sudden, within you, you just, you go, oh, can I trust this person? Is he really who he is? I'm just being really vulnerable right now. I'm actually taking a bit of a risk. But I have to do, but I have to be me. <laughs> the problem is over time, 
that the verbal attacks have gone from external circumstances into people that have been very close to me. I had some things written down, but I'm probably not even going to get there. We've been standing against territorial spirits in Bundaberg. There is a spirit of religion in here, in this city that's been here for so long, trying to shut down the move of the Holy Spirit in this city. We are standing against that. There has been a spirit of Leviathan, that, that, that serpent of chaos that loves to twist and break communication between people so that people don't speak clearly to one another. There's all these kind of spirits at work, and I don't think we realize that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's actually against principalities and powers of darkness. And we all have to be careful that we don't come under the spiritual strongholds. Is there an amen? It's probably good if I go back here because I did this for a reason. Our heart is only for Jesus, our heart, our heart is only for his kingdom. And none of us are perfect. And that's why Jesus said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. See, we can keep going back to Scripture. (laughs) But you know, the last 12 months has just been constant. There was a rumor going around from someone that was here for a little while that I tried to break up. I was telling them that, that they're married, that they should break up. I have never, ever, 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 said to someone that they should end their marriage. You see the stuff that gets spoken? The problem is people believe it. And there was another one that I told someone that they should do something, which is like, I didn't say it. I guess you just got to trust me. We've seen Bonnie and I have Sorry. I wear my heart on my sleeve a little bit. Bonnie and I have seen people that we've considered dear friends that we've known for several years now not even talk to us anymore. And I thought, where's the friendship? If we talk about loving one another, where? Did I just waste six, seven years of my life with that person? The last six months, I've battled sleepless nights where I've tossed and turned. People say, how are you going, Tim? Doing all right. (laughs) I am doing all right. I'm doing all right. But it's only the Lord. I can feel warfare at times in my stomach. I don't even have to hear it. I can feel it. When people are speaking words and things are happening, I I feel sick in the gut. It's something that I've had for years. You know, people say, oh, your ears must have been burning. No, 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 my my gut just feels sick. You know what? I'm actually sick and tired of living with feeling sick in the stomach. Someone said to me the other day, (laughs) someone said to me the other day, Tim, you do, a, you do a pretty good job at turning the other cheek, but sometimes you need to realise you're not meant to be a doormat. I said to Bonnie the other day, I said, you know what, well, that's so true. We are human beings. We're not human punching bags. 
I don't know, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. And I don't want it to sound like I'm complaining. Because you know what? We have such a great group of people who love Jesus and are here because we want to see his kingdom come and his will be done. We are, we are, we are here today because we are tired of religion. We are tired of lukewarm Christianity. We are tired with the way that has been. The only thing that can change Bundaberg is Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of the gospel that changes lives. We are here today because of Jesus. Amen. But I don't want to be a punching bag anymore. I don't always do things 100% right. Who does? But when I do, when I realize that I've done wrong, I repent, I say I'm sorry and we love and we forgive one another and we move on. But not everyone accepts my apology and I can't take ownership for that anymore. I can't, I can't. I guess I can close with this. The reason that I'm sharing this with you today And please, I don't want you to walk away from here going, oh, geez, that was a bit negative. Because God is doing so many good things. But sometimes we just need to address the thorn in the flesh. I went went home the other week. Even our kids don't know this. I I went home the other week and I found my wife on our front lawn. In tears. She said, I don't think I can take this anymore. Anyone who's got a husband or a wife, you know what that does to you. When deep down we just love Jesus and we just make ourselves available for people. There's stuff lately. There's stuff lately that I've been told that my sons don't like me anymore. That I've been told that my marriage is in trouble. Well, people are being told that our marriage... Hang on, someone's just pulled the microphone off me. People have been told that my marriage is in trouble. And sometimes you think, when is this just going to stop? Well, you know what? We can stop it. We can stop it by saying enough is enough. I'm not listening to this anymore. I'm not listening. The devil is the accuser of the brethren, not Jesus. If people get joy out of speaking about people behind their backs, then they may need to go to Jesus and they may need to think about themselves. That's as strong as I'm going to get. We need to repent of partnering with any gossip in any way. We need to close the door to the accuser of the brethren. And we need to stand together and say, as for me and my house, we will worship the Lord. We will fix our eyes on him and we will go forward from here and Jesus Christ will be glorified. Jesus Christ will be exalted. You know, when we speak against our brothers and sisters, and and, and I'm reminding myself right now, we don't speak against them, we actually speak against Jesus. 
Because when Jesus appeared to Saul and he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting those people that are meeting at Jerusalem? He didn't say that. He said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Because we're the body of Christ. That's who we are. We're actually the body of Christ. So when you speak against your brother or your sister, you're actually persecuting Jesus all over again. I just want to say that in the midst of it all, that God uses everything for good. Because I believe in a good God. I have been stripped. I said to Liz the other day, I said, I don't think I've got anything left to repent of. I don't say that in a, in a, in a wrong way. I'm sorry if that sounds that wrong. I've been saying, God, search my heart. Test me, try me, cleanse me. Because I just want to love the way that you love. I guess that's all I've got to say. I don't know. So, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you. As I said, I'm not after sympathy. 
I'm more concerned with the fact that we need to stand on the Word of God. And we're not bowing to any spirit in this city or this region. Oh, sorry. Unity among the brethren. Unity among the brethren. That's, that's it. So. Oh, it's like, okay. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I only drove for four days and I barely knew Yeah, I know. You're just that person that just brings me what I need every Sunday. Thanks, Jenny. I just want more of Jesus. Hands up who wants more of Jesus. <laughs> more of him. Sorry, man. Oh, look at it. Man, I haven't even got to the word. Kids, you can go out for like 20 minutes and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mesh this word into, into something. I guess the thing is, from a biblical point of view, is if you've ever got a problem with someone, the best thing to do is you go to them. Amen? So if you want to ask a question, come to me. Just don't make it midnight on a Sunday night or something or, a, you know. And if you've got a problem with someone else ever, you go to them. You know what I mean? Because it just gives the enemy no room. Absolutely no room. And, you know, we're not very good at passing on messages from one person to another, are we? I think about Rex Hunt. You know, his fish was this big. But no, it was this big. I was bigger. But, but that's kind of what happens, isn't it? This big becomes this big, and I hope you haven't taken that in the wrong way. I, I just had to let it. So, Father, we want to thank you that we gather around your word, and we thank you that it doesn't take many words to get across what your spirit wants to get across today. So we stand on your word of truth, and we thank you for the spirit of truth in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been in a series on worship.
And I'm more convinced than ever that our mindset on worship has to change. I'm going to be really quick. I'm going to be short, sharp, to the point. (laughs) I love the laughing thing. I love the laughing thing. Wasn't that good that so many people were being impacted by laughter down the main street of Bundaberg? Like, come on. Anyway, our mindset on worship, it has to change. Because it's become this religious thing that we do between 10 and 12 on a Sunday or in other times. But that's, you know, and in some churches it's between 10 and 11 and that's it. Or 9.30 and 10.30. And worship has been put in a box. But it was never meant to be put in a box. Just like prayer was never meant to be put in a box. Giving was never meant to be put in a box. These things were never meant to be put in a box with a tick and flick thing that I've done my worship this week, now I can just go. No, the true biblical worship is a response to the one who came and gave his life. He humbled himself unto death, death on a cross. And the act of worship, the position of our hearts of worship is a response to Him. How can that ever be contained to two hours a week? It can't. If we really are walking in the Spirit, if the Spirit of God is truly in us, it cannot be contained. Just the way giving can't be contained. Oh, I gave my offering this week and, oh no, I I don't give anymore. But hang on a minute, there's a brother or sister who has need. No, I don't. You know, we just put everything in a box. We need to break the box. The church in Australia needs to break the box on worship. I'm not saying that Hillsong and places like that haven't done good things for the body of Christ. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that it's kind of brought us into a mindset that worship is singing a few songs with a guitar and drums, and that's our worship. But biblically, our lives are worship. The loving people is worship. Serving people is worship. Giving to people is worship. Washing the dishes if, if our hearts are you know, with the Lord is worship. You can drive the car and you can worship. You can go to work and you can worship. What would happen if Christians started to worship in the workplace? And I don't mean by singing a song. I mean by the attitude of your hearts being before God that you live lives of worship. What would happen? I can tell you what would happen. The worship gets let out of the building and it starts to flow into our homes and our families and the streets and our businesses and people's lives are starting to be touched by the presence of God. So, when Satan was tempting Jesus, he tempted him at where he was. He just spent 40 days fasting. Anyone ever done a 40-day fast here? One. Wow, that's awesome. Like, really? Like, 40 days. Oh, two. Sorry, two. He was hungry. It actually says he was hungry. And the first time he came to him, he was tempting him. But Jesus' response was, no, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But the enemy kept coming. He kept coming for him in different ways. And then he, then, so then he used Scripture out of context. Now, doesn't that happen a lot? People use Scripture, but out of context. 
and it becomes very dangerous. Even the enemy does that. But the Jesus said, it is also written, do not test the Lord your God. And then the devil took him up. This is verse 8 of Matthew 4. The devil took him up to a very high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all of these things if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, go away, Satan. Don't you love that? Go away, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil left him. To worship is to serve, and to serve is to worship. The word, the root word is the same. You've heard me say this. This is why in Joshua, some translations say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And others say, as for me and my house, we will worship the Lord. Because it's about the position of our heart, amen? Whatever we're going through, we're on the highest of mountains, we're in the lowest of valleys. It is only the position of our heart before God. When stuff comes against you and things happening, it's all about the position of our heart. For as Eddie reminded us, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And last week I said, what has your heart? If you're speaking about cars all the time, Tom and I were talking about this later. If you're talking about cars all the time, that means they're in here. Cars are really important to you because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. But in the same way, if you're critical and judgmental and stuff all the time, it's actually showing what's in your heart. That's why we need to come back to the heart of worship. We need to come. The, the church in our nation needs to come. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus afresh. And we need to let go, in the words of Hebrews 12, of anything that hinders and any sin that entangles us. And we need to fix our eyes on Jesus and we need to run the race. You know you can't run very well when you're entangled. you ever tried that? Just remember the three-legged races when you're at school. You know, they're just like tripping over each other. They were entangled. That's why he says, just get rid of it. It's not mine. I, it's not mine. Get rid of the yoke. Get rid of the burden. Get rid of it. Fix your eyes on me and just start walking with me. It's a decision. Jesus said, you know, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, but we have to make the decision to walk in the authority. And I'm, not, and I'm not just talking about casting out demons in Jesus' name or be healed in Jesus' name. The authority that you have to actually forgive because Jesus said forgive. We lose that authority when we don't operate in it. Paul. Paul is one of my heroes in the faith. He said to the church in Philippi, he said to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now there is a man who had a heart of worship. He was the Jew of Jews. He was the religious of the religious. And yet when he met Jesus, he realized that everything he, everything he had, he considered as dung, as rubbish. He had to get rid of it for the sake of knowing Christ. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. He says, after, a few verses after he says that in, one, in Philippians 1, verse 21, he says, as citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Wow, does, isn't that a verse that packs a punch? As citizens of earth, as citizens of 
You need to say, I'm a citizen of heaven. As citizens of heaven, live your lives worthy of the gospel. That is not a religious thing. That's not a dutiful thing. That is out of the overflow of the heart. As a citizen of heaven, with Jesus as my rock, as my cornerstone, the one that I'm focused upon, I live my life worthy of the gospel. And when people look at us, they see Christ. They see the love. They see the mercy. They see the forgiveness. They see the power. They see the intimacy. They see, they see Jesus. And the Australian needs to see Jesus, Christ in us, the hope of glory. If we don't portray Christ to our nation, who else will? They don't need another Lions Club or Probus Club or Bingo Club or Country Women's Association. And they definitely don't need Masonic Lodge. Now we pull that out in Jesus' name. They need Jesus. Amen? They need Jesus. That's why we sing Jesus for my family. Jesus. I shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the streets. Jesus. But it can only come from that place of first love. And contrary to something I heard and I shared a while ago, our marriage is as strong as it's ever been. I love my wife. Next Sunday, don't tell her I told you this. Next Sunday is our 29th wedding anniversary. Next Sunday. We'll be here. It's okay. She'll be here too. I honestly... Sorry. I'm big sop. I love her more than I did 29 years ago. Apart from Jesus, she's my first love. And she still is. And you know what? I wouldn't do in- intentionally, I wouldn't do anything to hurt her. Occasionally, I probably do. I don't hear that. But you live. You live for the one. You live for the one. And I've shared this before, and I'm sorry, but there's some new people. I'm just going to share it quickly. But when we first started courting, you know, there wasn't mobile phones. There wasn't internet. There wasn't texting. There was those old phones that used to go... And, you know, they were like cords, these stretchy cords. And you tried to get far away from the phone without pulling it off the wall. Anyone else ever... Anyway... We used to spend hours on the phone every day talking to each other. And my dad used to say, will you get off the phone? You only saw her yesterday. But that's first love. And this is why the Holy Spirit wants to breathe upon the coals of our hearts and let the fire burn because we need to love Jesus like that. It's not a religious thing where I need to see so many people saved and I need to show so many people Jesus. And No, no, no. But it's out of the love that we have and that relationship with Jesus that it just shows. And you're laughing in the main street. And someone gets it. Because it's not the laughter. 
It's the presence of God. It's the Holy Spirit. And they say, I need what you've got. That's exactly what we say. Don't put Jesus in a box. Live for Jesus. And people will start to say, I need what you've got. When there's stuff happening around and people are scared and worried and upset, but you just walk in peace and you walk in confidence, you watch what people say. How can you be so peaceful? How can you be so confident? Well, let me tell you, Jesus. I'm really trying to condense this. Let's just... The the world, the idol that's in the world today is me. Not me, is in me. Me. Do whatever makes you feel good. Whatever truth you believe, that is truth. It's all about me. Me is the idol. People have started to worship the created things rather than the creator. But the me, me, it's the moving picture song from the 1970s. I remember that because my brother used to play it to me. What about me? It isn't fair. I've had enough and I want my share. That is the idol that is in our nation. Whatever is good for you, do it. However you feel makes you feel good, you do it. It's me, 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 me. Well, that idol needs to come down and it needs to start in the church of Jesus Christ in this nation. Because it's not about me, it's about Him. And as we live for Him, we start to realise that it's actually about others. Because people matter to God. And that's why my phone is always on and that's why I am always available because people matter to God. So people should matter to us. I want to finish with these couple of things. David was a worshipper. Amen? A heart after God. We read that in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 13. Let me go there quickly. 1 Samuel 13. Verse 14, Samuel said to Saul, you have been foolish. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. It was at this time that the Lord would have permanently established your reign over Israel. But now your reign will not endure because the Lord has found a man after his own heart. And the Lord has appointed him as ruler over the people. We read that in Acts 13 verse 22. The Lord said, I have found a man after my own heart. You see, the world looks at the external things. The world looks at the outward things, but God looks at the heart. That's why we should never stand in judgment against someone without, because we don't know their heart. We look at things from an outward perspective, but we actually don't know the heart. So who are we to judge another man's servant when we don't know the heart? And then, but the Lord said of David, and this is prophetic, he said in Amos 9.11, he said, I will restore David's fallen tent and I will establish it as it was. There was some principles in David's tent, the tabernacle, the temple, that wasn't in Moses and it wasn't in the grandeur of Solomon. You see, gold and silver and stuff doesn't interest God in a sense because, because God owns all that. He's looking at the heart. There was something about David. There was something about his heart. The presence of God was central to David. He wouldn't do anything without the presence of God. 
That's why he needed to bring the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem where it's meant to be. Because he was grieved that the presence of God was not where it should be amongst God's people. And that should be our heart. God, we want more. Yes, God is with us wherever we go. Yes, wherever two or three are gathered, God is amongst. But hang on a minute. I want to see the manifest presence and glory of God in such a way that if someone walked through the door of here or 410 Tyson Street in a few weeks' time, they will fall prostrate and say, the Lord is truly among you. Isn't that what we want? Because then God gets all the glory. The Lord is here. The Lord healed me. The Lord saved me. The Lord is my deliverer. Not, oh, that team was really good today. They did a good job. And they, and they did do a good job. I'm not saying they didn't. But the Lord. says for David, key, presence of God, central. Secondly, he was a humble man. He had a repentant, a repentant heart. That's why God said, he, he's a man after my own heart. Because David sinned. David sinned really badly. I mean, I know sin is sin. But he sinned really badly. Desiring another man's wife and having him killed and taking her, I mean, that's like out there. But you know what? He was deceived in that moment. There was stuff going on in him and he started to lose sight of the Lord and he was desiring other things. But you know, when the prophet Nathan came to him and said, David, you have done wrong, he repented and he humbled himself before the Lord. That is another reason why God said, I am restoring that tent. Presence of God, humble, repentant heart. And the last one was in 2 Samuel 6, and I looked at this a few weeks ago, that the worship of David to the Lord was unrestrained. When they were finally, bless you, when they were finally bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem, you know, he was David. Remember I said how he took off his kingly robes. He was wearing a, a priestly garment, a linen ephod with short kind of legs. It wasn't underwear as we think, boxes. It was, he took off his kingly robe and he wore a priestly garment, a linen ephod with room to move so he could actually bend and, and move. And he was celebrating and he was worshipping. Don't worry, I'm not going to pull a hamstring this week. He was celebrating and he was worshipping the Lord. He was just in, in joy, not, not because of that, but because the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, was being returned to its rightful place among the people of God. The Lord's looking for people who will not put worship in a box. But it will be unrestrained. Music team, you can come. So let me finish with this. I haven't done too bad, really. Let my people go that they may worship me. That was the verse of Scripture we started with. Let my people go that they may worship me. So my question to you today as we finish this short series is what has your heart? What has your heart? If, the, if God is speaking and saying, let my people go, what is he speaking to in your life? What is he speaking to? Let my people go that they may worship me. Is it like the rich young ruler who had so much stuff, so much possessions and money that he couldn't give it up? 
Is it people? Is it positions? Is it titles? Is it, is it the fear of man? What people think of you? You know, some of the stumbling blocks, one is the religious spirit because it wants to despise and it wants to shut it down. The religious spirit hates the flow of the Holy Spirit. Do we get that? I said the religious spirit wants to stop the flow of the Holy Spirit. Hates it. That's why Saul kept chasing David, wanting to kill him. Because David was free. Saul was bound. The religious spirit. The fear of man. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man is a snare. If you are... If you carry a fear of man, you are not free to worship the Lord as, as, as He should be worshipped. Because you're always thinking about what? What if someone sees me? What if someone thinks of me bad? Let go. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Traditions of men. Traditions of men. Jesus spoke to the Pharisees in Matthew 15 and he says, Why do you break God's commandment for the sake of your tradition? Not all traditions are bad. But if a tradition gets in the way of us walking, living, worshipping Christ, then it's a problem. There are churches today that have traditions we only do communion once a month or once a quarter. Well, let's do it as the Bible says, whenever we get together, we break bread. That's a tradition. I remember challenging a friend of mine who was part of the Salvation Army one day and I said to him, why, why, why? Why don't you baptise people? Why don't you baptise them? There's always traditions that have gotten in somewhere along the way. As I said, not every tradition is bad. But if it stops us from following Jesus the way we should, then maybe it's got to go. I was filled with a lot of traditions. I was told that tongues was of the devil. I was told that prophecy had ceased. I was told with all kinds of things that God had to set me free on. I struggled to raise my hands even though the Bible says lift your hands and worship to the Lord. Fear of man. Traditions of men. Or maybe it's just pride. Maybe pride is a stumbling block. I can't come down. I can't come down the front. I can't lay prostrate before the Lord. I can't go and share my faith with that person. I can't go and give that. I can't do that. The Lord says, let my people go that they may worship me. So I pray that you would take that thought away and say, Lord, what is stopping me from worshipping you? Sometimes it's just a matter of years. And you need the Spirit of God to breathe on your heart to let the fire burn. You need the first love fire back again. Sometimes friendships can grow a bit dim. 
You need to rekindle it. But I just want to say it's time to worship the Lord. It's time to worship Him. It's time to worship Him. With all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength, it's time to worship Him. It's time to let go of the things that have entangled us, the sin, to let go of the constraints, to let go of anything that that stops us and worship Him. My prayer is that we will see more and more believers in Bundaberg live for Jesus 24-7. And because of that, there'll be more salvations, there'll be more healings, there'll be more signs, more wonders, more miracles, more testimonies, because we've just chosen to live for Jesus. So today, if that's you, if you feel like something has been in the way, maybe you just feel a bit jaded in your walk, maybe you just feel a bit tired, today is the day to be renewed. Today is the day to receive prayer. Because you know what? God moves through prayer. Come to Jesus today. You're not coming down the front because I've said, but you're coming to Jesus. You're stepping out of the holy place and you're into the holy of holies, figuratively speaking. Say, Jesus, I just rekindle my love for you. Breathe upon the coals of my heart. Let your fire burn in me more and more and more, God. More, God. More of you, Jesus. Let me live for you. Let me breathe. Let me speak of you. Let my life be a life of worship unto the King. You are my King, Jesus.